Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. In a time of recession, inflation, unprecedented violence, culture wars, civil unrest, and an era where our very freedom and liberty seems to be taken away from us, it's normal to feel angry and it's normal to be anxious about the state of the world. But if you're a person who listens to this podcast, I believe you're a purpose-driven person. It is the chaotic times like we're living in right now that are the very reason that you and I were born to show up for this moment. Coming up this week on the Life Amplified podcast, I'm going to share the one question that every person has to ask themselves right now that will determine if you're going to be part of the solution or continue to perpetuate the problem. Plus, I'm going to give you the four subconscious patterns that keep us dimming our light and holding back our gifts when the world needs them most. Welcome back. What is an amplified life? It's having amplified relationships with people who support and encourage you to be your best. It's having amplified energy to conquer the challenges of the day. And it's having an amplified career, one that's meaningful to you, the world, and your bank account. I'm Dan Mason, helping you discover your calling and create an amplified life on your terms. This is the Life Amplified Podcast. I want to start out this week with a quote that Ray Edwards actually shared uh, to his email list this week, and it comes from founding father Thomas Paine, but it very much applies to the era that we're living in right now. I do not choose to be a common person. It is my right to be uncommon if I can. I seek opportunity, not security. I do not wish to be a kept citizen, humbled and dulled by having the state look after me. I want to take the calculated risk to dream and to build, to fail and to succeed. I refuse to barter incentive for a dole. I prefer the challenges of life to the guaranteed existence, the thrill of fulfillment 
to the stale calm of utopia. I will not trade freedom for beneficence or my dignity for a handout. I will never cower before any master nor bend to any threat. It is my heritage to stand erect, proud, and unafraid to think and act for myself. I enjoy the benefits of my creations and face the world boldly and say, this I have done. All this is what it means to be an entrepreneur. That's from Thomas Paine and his book, Common Sense. Uh, if the word entrepreneur does not resonate with where you're at in this stage in your life, it's fine. I think that you can replace that with light worker. You can replace it with uh, all this is what it means to live my purpose. And it's crazy that, you know, even though this quote is 250 years old, we can just play with the language a little bit. And it totally applies to the internal battle that so many people are facing in their life right now. You know, you could literally, uh, you could literally say, I will not trade my freedom for a 401k or my dignity for a steady corporate paycheck. How many people right now, we've seen the studies actually, 61% of the workforce says they are hiding parts of themselves and their personality in the workplace because they believe it will be damaging to them. We're hiding information about our family. We're hiding uh, about our dating status. We are hiding sexual orientation. Uh, there was a study recently in the UK, 65% of trans people in the UK are hiding their identity because they're afraid it's going to be damaging to their career. So, you know, food for thought, we know so much here in the United States about the headlines and the politicians and the war on trans rights, but this really is a global phenomenon. And there's so many places, even if you're not hiding parts of yourself in the workplace, if you're a person who's not really showing up and you're not giving your full gifts, if you're not living your purpose, if you're trading that in for the steady corporate paycheck to get the stock options, if you're delaying your happiness into the future, you know what it causes? It causes a war within yourself. So you might not be acting out and actively hurting the segments of society, but you're hurting yourself and all that anger when you're living checked out, when you're not fully committed to showing up to do the work that you know that you're here to do, how often do you secretly take that out on your family? You're checked out at home. You know, work gets the best version of you and the people that you love most, your partner, your children, your community is actually getting the worst of you, right? So I think that this quote applies in so many ways, and it's really going to set the table for the conversation that we're going to have for today. Because when we are living in a time of political chaos, civil unrest, turmoil, there really is one question that I want to bring everybody home to today that's going to determine whether you show up, whether you live your purpose, whether you make the income or the impact that you know that you're here to make. So if you think about the times that we're living in, and especially on the heels of, I believe, the 309th mass shooting in the United States yesterday, some absurd number, it can feel like we are lost at sea, like we are thrashing around in our little dinghy boat trying to stay afloat amidst all the storms, amidst the crashing waves. We're just trying to keep our head above water. You know, the analogy that I, I think a lot about when I watch the news and I see the headlines right now is in Forrest Gump, where Lieutenant Dan is just out there on the ship and, you know, they're trying to keep the ship afloat. 
and he's out there having his fight with God where he's like, come on, God, it's me and you. Like we can get so overwhelmed. And I think that's how many of us are living right now. You know, when you think about what women are going through in the United States, what the LGBT community is going through. I mean, what uh, what minority groups are going through. There is very much that Lieutenant Dan energy right now. And by the way, I want you to know your anger is justified and your anger is actually sacred because anger is a powerful force that can help you propel your life forward. Any meaningful change I've ever made, when I was 40 pounds overweight at rock bottom, depressed and writing a suicide note in my kitchen in 2012, it was the anger that I felt about the state of my life that gave me the momentum and the energy to make new decisions, to show up differently. And after I had climbed every ladder of success in corporate America, but it still wasn't the thing I wanted, and I was empty and unfulfilled with every new job promotion and every new pay raise, the anger I felt about just being on this endless rat race gave me the momentum to walk away and to start my coaching business, to start this podcast. So anger can be a powerful tool if it's used correctly. You probably heard the cliche, like the, you know, the maxim in personal, the, the maxim that we use in personal development, that anger can be, uh, it, it's like nuclear energy. It can be used to power the neighborhood or it can be used to destroy the neighborhood. But there's a lot of people right now that are just living in the anger. They're thrashing around at sea in their boat. They're trying to stay afloat. And all they're doing is just spewing more anger. They're doing it on their Facebook page. They're doing it online, on Twitter, right? They're sharing all the angry memes and living in their bubble, but they're not really stepping into their zone of genius. They're not living their purpose. And they're not taking the courageous action that's going to help lift the vibration of the planet. You know, and you can go back here on the Life Amplified podcast. A few months ago, I had a great conversation with Mandy Morris about this very topic. Mandy was talking about, you don't need to know how to solve the crisis in the Ukraine to help elevate the vibration of the planet. What you need to do is the work on yourself. The more people that we have living in their purpose, the more we have happy people, it just lifts the collective consciousness. So it gets a little metaphysical, but it's a really powerful conversation. One of our most downloaded episodes this year, and actually one of the most uh, shared clips that I've shared on Instagram. So make sure you check that out. But the question for you, right, are you going to live in the anger, right? Are you going to be the ship that is just lost at sea? Or are you going to be the lighthouse? So much of how I operate in my life, and I'm not saying I get this right 100% of the time, is trying to be the lighthouse. What does the lighthouse do? It illuminates the landmass and calls approaching ships home. It stands firm, stands unmoved in the face of the chaos and just shines a light outwards. It generates a light within itself, shines it outward and gives all the ships lost at sea a direction to come home to safety. Now, and this is especially this really, really important point for my codependents out there, right? The lighthouse doesn't physically pull in the ship. Each person still is responsible to steer their own ship, right? The, the individual is tasked with being the captain. But when you are serving as a beacon of light, when you're holding a lantern, 
you allow people to see what they might not see otherwise. It doesn't abdicate their responsibility to chart their own path, but it illuminates a pathway home, right? And an, an illuminated lighthouse, it illuminates the darkness. How many more times can I say illuminated? I'm not quite sure. So the key question, right? Are you being the ship that's lost at sea? Are you just fighting to keep your head above water or are you being the lighthouse? Every person that I meet, every person I know in my life, every one of my clients, having done this work with hundreds of people now across 18 countries over the last seven years, has something special. There is a gift within them that they can offer the world. And I'm not saying that you have to become the Dalai Lama, that you have to become a spiritual leader, right? You can bring people home to themselves through your writing, through your art. I mean, how many times has there been a song or a book that's changed your life that you see yourself or your journey reflected back to you in the book? One of the most powerful ones for me when I was really struggling in, those, in that final year or two of corporate is I read The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Also the book that people like Madonna, Will Smith, all like say changed their life. But it's about living your personal legend, which is another way just to say to live your life's purpose. And that book was so powerful to me. It came to me right in the moment that I needed, right? So Paulo Coelho isn't a spiritual leader, but he was living his purpose and its impact. That book has impacted me and people across so many countries. I mean, that thing has been translated in every language that there is. So it might be through your idea, it might be through your art, it might be through the invention that you have. I was reading this article the other day, I was doing some research on how many millionaires are created during times of recession. And I went back to the 2008 crisis, right? The housing crisis, when the economy was a disaster and the auto industry was failing and the stock market was failing and you know, the, the uh, Obama administration had to come in and play cleanup on that, but we were all living in this really uncertain time. Do you know the product that was actually created in 2008 that made millions upon millions of dollars during a recession? The Snuggie. Because basically, you know, it, people were so lost. What did we want? We wanted some sense of comfort. We were all like Linus from the Peanuts. So your purpose can can look very different depending on the individual. I'm not telling you that you have to become the next Tony Robbins or you know the 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 next great spiritual leader of the world. You don't have to become Deepak Chopra, but there is something within you. There is a light within you, an idea, a message, a product, uh, a business you're ready to launch that you're ready to share with the world, and it could serve as the lighthouse, right? It could be just what people need to come home to themselves. But most of us don't really live in that lighthouse energy for long. We might do it for a short period of time and then we get very uncomfortable. You take strides forward and then this is what in most personal development modalities they would refer to as self-sabotage right? We pull the rug out from under ourselves, but nobody has ever really sabotaged themselves. We do protect ourselves when things are getting too good. I was just talking on the last podcast about this idea that we all have a part of our, uh, we all have a part of ourselves that is definitely afraid to live in continued joy. 
<laughs> and we talked about all the reasons why that is. You can go back to the last episode. But what I wanted to just illuminate today are the four ways that we actually dim our light and we don't show up living to our full potential, that we don't really maximize our gifts, that we never make the mark that we're here to make in the world. The first trap, and please, you know, for my friends on Instagram, go to the comments, let me know if any of these uh, resonate for you. The first trap is oftentimes we feel undeserving or unworthy of the success. We believe that on some level we're fundamentally flawed. So how could I possibly be this self-expressed? How could I possibly be this happy, this loved, this rich, this wealthy? Because I know deep down that I'm screwed up, right? And at some point, other people are going to find that out. There are so many people that I work with who will take a huge quantum leap forward into their career. They'll, they'll, generate, uh, they'll generate a new business, new levels of income, and then they sabotage because of this. And why do we believe that we're unworthy? A lot of times, you know, that's the work that we uncover in a coaching relationship. We go back to childhood and I can get anybody super clear on the exact reason that you feel undeserving and unworthy of the success. You know, for me, growing up a lot, I've shared a little bit of this story in the past, you know, growing up with a mom with a lot of mental health challenges. And I didn't put this together till way later in life. My dad actually, a couple years ago, sent me a copy of my baby book that my mom had kept for me. And it was when I went back and read all the notes that my mom had written in 1906 when I was born. <laughs> we don't have to get into the specifics of that. I saw that my mom, who always had this emptiness within her, you know, my mom grew up in a really difficult family, a lot of trauma in that family. And my mom was always searching for something outside of her to make her happy. And I think she probably thought marriage would be the thing. My parents were married 30 years. They probably had 30 good days during that whole time. But it was very, it was very obvious uh, early on that they were struggling in their marriage. So she figured, like many people do, hey, having a kid is going to make this better. Because my mom was writing in the baby book that, man, that just me being as the first son coming into existence, my birth was everything that she had hoped and prayed for. But as time went on, and especially when I think about my mom's own abandonment complex that she had, as I became older and I wanted to differentiate and set boundaries, and, and particularly as a masculine energy little boy stepping into my masculine energy, I wanted to go out and explore on my own. I wanted to find activities that I was into. It triggered my mom's abandonment complex. So any of the activities that I was doing growing up, right, I was really into equestrian uh, as a small child, which I know is like some bullshit white people stuff, but I really enjoyed it for a period of time. I played Little League, uh, but all those things my mom would pull me out of and say that I was just too busy. What she really wanted, particularly as my dad was working and traveling more, was for me to be home and be her Snuggie, to be her security blanket. And the more that I started to resist against that as I became a teenager, the more angry she got, the more she lashed out at me. And there was always this feeling growing up, I could never really make my mom happy. And what she would start to do 
is start to look for other ways. And none of this, by the way, like my mom and I healed our relationship a, a few years ago. So none of this is to blame, but it really is about context. You know, my mom started, uh, as my grades were failing as a teenager, she started having parent-teacher conferences. And she would come home and tell me that all my teachers thought I was an asshole, thought that I was terrible, all these things that teachers would not say to a parent, but I didn't know better at age 13. So school started to feel unsafe, right? It's not only do I let my mom down all the time, my teachers don't like me. And it really started to affect my self-esteem, right? I always just felt un fundamentally unworthy, unloved. And that got imprinted at an early age. And even though I was climbing the corporate ladder uh, after college and having all the success in the radio industry, I carried that burden with me that I could just, that I was never gonna be able to, to make anybody happy long-term. It showed up in my choice of relationships as an adult. My whole marriage turned out to be with somebody who I didn't feel like I could make happy. And, and you know, even though I was doing the work, right, I was going to therapy and I started to work through coaching, this would hold me back and sabotage me as I had moved further into my purpose. When we launched this podcast in 2017, this podcast debuted number one globally on iTunes. It was like a goal that was so big, I never even had consciously set that for myself. And I did a whole interview on the uh, Elvis Duran Morning Show. Many of you who are listening right now might have found me through Elvis Duran at Z100 in New York City and syndicated across the United States. And that was so much exposure, right? And all of a sudden, like my mailing list grew and all these new clients started to happen. So my income took off, but I didn't feel worthy of the success. So rather than staying in that momentum of continuing to put myself out there, I started to shut down and hide because I was like, God, what if people find out that I'm fundamentally flawed? What if people found out about all the terrible decisions I made in my 20s and early to mid 30s? Oh my God, they're going to think I'm a total phony. So I started to punish myself by hiding rather than really acting as the lighthouse. I went into isolation mode, which took my business back a couple steps. And this is where the sabotage begins to come in. And what I want you to think for yourself are where are these places that you feel unworthy, flawed, or undeserving of success? Where is it keeping you for show, from showing up for your next level in your life? Because this isn't just an opportunity for me to talk about myself or my childhood, right? That's not why I started this podcast. But I hope, much like when I was talking about the book The Alchemist earlier, maybe somebody listening today, you're seeing parts of yourself reflected in the story, and it's starting to create the aha moment of, hey, maybe this isn't, maybe there's a reason I'm not staying fully committed to my goals. Maybe there's a reason that, you know, that I've been showing up the way that I have. That is the first subconscious reason that we dim our light and sabotage our success. Coming up after the break, I will give you the other three reasons, and we're going to talk about how you can begin to heal this so you can fully step into your light and do the work that you're meant to do. We'll be right back. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome back. The second way that we sabotage our success, that we dim our light and really never maximize our potential is that we believe that fully stepping into our light and shining brightly will cause us to be alone or disloyal to our roots. And that on some level, we might have to leave behind people from our past. I've seen this happen more than I, more times than I can count in my coaching practice with very successful, very high achieving people. I worked with a very high powered attorney. This is somebody who was just making a ton of money, who was crushing it in his career. And the one place that he had always struggled was romantic relationships. And even though he was having all the success and kept getting, you know, bigger and bigger law firms uh, and going to work for bigger places and his income kept going up and working with more high profile clients, he struggled to stay faithful in relationships. Every time things got too good, he would either run away, he'd start hitting up Bumble again, going back on apps, and he would shoot himself in the foot. Now, why would we do that? Um, because he had a subconscious belief that if he were fully himself in any relationship, that people would leave him and he would be alone. And therefore, it was easier if it, the expectation is just that people are going to leave me if they get to know me, then a great survival trick for your subconscious is to say, you know what? I'm going to push them away and I'm going to leave first. And there was a lot of religious trauma in there. You know, as a young man in his early 20s, he started to step away from the religious dynamics that he grew up in. But there was another problem in there that he had also got married to a woman through the church, through his religion. You get married, like right out of college. You start, you know, pushing out seven, eight kids, and that's what you do. And that wasn't the path that he wanted. And he started to question a lot of things about that religion. 
And so when he started to differentiate and say, you know what, maybe I would like to have a beer on a Sunday while I'm watching football, or hey, maybe the things in this text don't make a lot of sense to me, it eventually pulled he and his wife apart, and it caused a huge amount of disappointment to his family. So it's not just like he had felt like he had left, you know, let an ex-wife down. He felt like he had left the whole family down. And for a while, he was estranged from his family because he walked away from the religion, which would certainly cause somebody to believe I'm fundamentally unlovable. Like if I am fully myself and shining all of who I am, I will be left. And this is where we start to step into that. There's this cognitive dissonance that exists, right? So if you are a person who believes that being too successful, what if you grew up in a home where money was scarce and your family is in a story generationally of financial struggle? There's a lot of people who struggle to receive wealth fully. And if they do create the wealth, it's hard for them to hang on to it because they feel on some level like they're being judged by their family, particularly if they grew up in a home where they were taught that money is the root of all evil or that the rich people in our town, they're all bad people. They're the assholes, right? So then now there's this whole dynamic around money. And it's like, I can either have money or I can be loyal to my roots and have love. You know, it's one of the places that I've had to work through a lot in my own inner work. You know, growing up uh, to, with two parents who had nothing when they got married. My parents were poor AF uh, when they got together. They literally lived off Campbell's soup and Kool-Aid. My dad was a self-made man. He continued to climb the corporate ladder in radio, eventually became CEO of a major broadcasting corporation. And the more money that my dad made, the more successful he became. And the more, the longer hours he worked and the more he was tired when he came home, it created more problems with my mom, who used to yell all the time about, we don't need the money, what I need is you, right? Like she didn't really respect the fact that he was such a great provider because the emotional needs weren't being met. And I observed all that as a kid. And to my subconscious, it became a matter for me in relationship that you get to have money or you get to have love, but you don't get to have both. In fact, the more money and the more successful you are, the more you're going to have people resent you for it. I couldn't figure out why I would repeat this pattern, especially when I started my business and started to do well. I would be dating somebody and things would go well, right? And then my business would fall off. It'd be like no new clients would sign up. Then I'd start like, you know, focusing on the business. I get new clients, but then the relationship would implode. And it was all just an external manifestation of everything that I was subconsciously believing growing up in childhood. So that is the second trap, that shining your light fully, be in that lighthouse, is going to cause you to be alone, disloyal to your roots, or it's going to cause people to leave you behind, or that you're going to have to leave behind people from your past, right? So success comes with guilt in that scenario. And when you're guilty, you tap the brakes, you hold yourself back from the ultimate success. Huge wins in that scenario get followed by bouts of self-punishment. Does that resonate at all for you? If so, maybe it's time for us to have a coaching conversation. CreativeSoulCoaching.net if you want to fill out an application. Let's talk about the number three subconscious pattern that keeps people from fully shining their light and living their purpose. More success equals bigger burdens. 
Now, this is not the case. That's not the ultimate truth. But to your subconscious, it believes that, right? I'm going to disappoint people if I become too successful. If I'm making more money, more people are going to want something from me. There's more people going to be asking for something from me. And then I'm going to have to say no, which means then I'm going to have to deal with that conflict, right? Also, uh, this is another place where a lot of people believe that more success, right, will create a burden for them because it's going to eventually magnify the places that they're personally deficient. You could also call this imposter syndrome. You know, that there's so many high performers. And guys, like I have coached gold medal athletes, uh, a couple celebrities, and everyday high performers. And people like even CEOs at the highest level go through imposter syndrome. And it's the belief that they're one day going to be found out, right? <laughs> that they're not as capable or that they don't fully know what they're talking about and therefore people will leave them. So that becomes another burden that we carry. There could also be a scenario as we talk about this idea that more success equals bigger burdens. You might believe you're the burden. You know, if you grew up, I've had so many clients who grew up in a home where they might have been the oops baby like they weren't really planned for. And then they feel that pressure, like the parents thought they were going to get the other kids out of the house. And it's like, oh my God, now we got to take care of another one, right? Or now I'm going to have to work more because I have to support the family. You know, I'm, I'm doing this. And so often as parents, we say these things to the children, thinking that, not thinking of the implications. Well, I work so hard because I have to take care of you. <laughs> and the kids are like, well, what I really want is my mom and dad here. I just want somebody to be emotionally present with me. And I must be a burden because now they're working so hard and they're miserable and grumpy all the time. I've had a lot of clients come to me and hire me because that they know that they're playing that scenario out with their children. They're stuck in this workaholism trap and they're not chasing their dreams because they're staying in the safe corporate, jo- in the safe corporate job and in some way, not ever deliberately, never from a malicious place, they blame their children or the family for why they're not living their purpose. So, you know, it's really funny. I always say this to parents. is like, you know, at some point, you want to raise kids who are living their purpose. What are you going to do when they tell you about their big dream one day and you're like, oh, you know, well, daddy had a dream once too. And the kid's like, well, why didn't you chase your dream, daddy? And you're like, well you for starters, (laughs) ensuring a whole nother generation of clients for me. And uh, I appreciate that, but I would rather you not create that dynamic with your children. So where are the places in your life that you believe that you're a burden, right? That your very existence causes. This happens a lot uh, when somebody's born to a single parent, Uh, It happens with unplanned pregnancies uh, within a family structure where, you know, mom and dad thought that they were done having kids and, you know, then the stork brings them another one. Uh, But this happens all the time, right? And again, if you believe that you are a burden to other people, you will never fully step in to your next level of success. So quick recap on the first three patterns that cause us to dim our light and keep us from living our purpose. Number one, we feel fundamentally undeserving or unworthy of success. That usually goes back to some sort of childhood trauma. Number two, shining our light, we believe, 
will cause us to be alone, disloyal to our roots, or mean that we have to leave other people behind. Number three, more success equals bigger burdens. And the fourth one is a really big one right here, and this comes up a lot in families when there are siblings, right? Uh, if you have a lot of brothers and sisters, if you believe that your success will make others look bad, then you will not shine too much. How many times did you do really well at something? You had a big achievement and you were told that nobody likes somebody who brags. You gotta, you just hold back on that. Don't talk about it too much. I remember in ninth grade, you know, I was a kid who had tried everything to sort of like stand out, you know, through junior high and, and high school. I wasn't a great athlete. Uh, you know, I tried my hand at playing basketball for a while. That didn't work out. I did do well doing stand-up at the talent shows. Yeah, I was doing like stand-up comedy at like 12 years old. I'm glad that those are not still on videotape. But the place I really made my mark was in theater and getting the lead in the spring musical every year. And I remember uh, I had this Spanish teacher who always like just wasn't very kind to me in general, always just like made really awful comments to me. And I remember I had the lead in the musical for the first time and I walked into her class and, and it was after we did the production. Like everybody was talking about, oh my God, Dan was so good in the musical. And I walked in, she's like, oh, here he comes. I'm not gonna praise you. You've heard enough, Mr. Ego. And I was like, oh God, well, I don't wanna be perceived as having an ego just for sharing my talent, right? So then I, you know, there was part of me that just wanted to, dim that down and tamp that down, um, which I did go study musical theater for a brief period of time in college, but also never pursued it. Like it was just part of that was like, I wasn't confident in my talent. Uh, a lot of it was that I wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps because radio at least was a path that I was demonstrated to me was a safe path to income. But I'd always carried like this guilt that if I shine too much, it's gonna make other people uncomfortable. Uh, so I would always be the guy when people gave me a compliment, I would deflect it. You know, when, it, when I was working in radio and the ratings at the radio station were great, I'm like, oh, well, you know, just must've been dumb luck. Oh, we're lucky this time, probably won't be that good next time. Where in your life do you do that? Where do you deflect compliments and say, just, just really denigrate yourself? because you say, well, anybody could have done this, or God, what I offer, well, it's not really that special. Hey, you did a great job on your presentation. And then you're like, oh, well, you know, did you catch that time when I screwed up on that one slide I presented and I said the wrong thing? Happens all the time. And it keeps us from fully stepping into our light. I had a client that I had worked with at the very beginning of my coaching practice. And I remember, you know, one of the things that she wanted to manifest was to get a Dodge Durango as a truck. You know, they lived in the Northeast. The winters were really harsh. She wanted to get her kids safely to and from school. And she said, man, if I have a Dodge Durango, I'm gonna be able to navigate the snow. But she immediately threw cold water all over the goal. She goes, well, you know, the family next door to us, you know, the husband's unemployed, they're really struggling. And what would they think? You know, you know they'd probably think I'm a bitch if I just rolled in in a brand new truck when they're struggling. And here is the counter to that mode of thinking. How does you playing down, not experiencing the fullest levels of abundance, not experiencing the highest levels of joy, creative expression and expansion in your life, how does that make anybody else's life better?
It doesn't. The people in your life who you're afraid that you're going to outshine, you dimming your light doesn't brighten theirs at all. In fact, you know, part of this idea when we talk at, at the beginning of the, the podcast about being in the lighthouse, it's really about you shining your light because you become an example for other people on what's possible for them. I've had so many people over the course of the last seven years who've, you know, followed my journey on this podcast. Remember, back at episode one, I hadn't like really monetized this coaching business yet. I was just getting by. I was going hand to mouth. And then as I grew into a multiple six-figure business, there's been so many listeners who were like, wow, Dan, you know, you inspired me to go register my business and to uh, start a Facebook business page for my new idea. So it's really adopting a role model mentality, right? When we're stepping into our light. So those are the four blocks that get in the way, right? Feeling undeserving, unworthy of success. We believe shining our light will cause us to be disloyal to our roots or have to leave people behind. We believe more success will equal bigger burdens. Sometimes we even believe that we are the burden. And sometimes we believe that our success will make others look bad and we don't want to outshine them. It's a big one, especially with those of you that were gifted children growing up. How do you move beyond it? <laughs> well, you don't do it in a vacuum, right? You know, it's not so much that you that this is a problem to solve. Because if you could solve it, you would have already done it. You need support. It's really about dissolving the thought. It's less about solving, more about dissolving. And you have to understand why that belief is even there in the first place to protect you. Because that creates self-compassion. A lot of times we judge ourselves. Oh my God, my mindset just is so off. Or, you know, I've, I've read all the self-help books, but I can't seem to implement this. Because hanging on to the old belief that is keeping you stuck is in some ways in service of survival. You know, if you believe that you're going to have to leave your family behind to step into your highest potential, if that's really a belief you're working with, why would you ever do the thing that you know that you're here to do? If you believe that your success is going to make other people look bad, why would you do it? <laughs> why would you allow yourself to have the success? So... Having that coaching support to identify the root cause of where you made these beliefs and also having somebody to stand beside you as you do the scary thing, because as you decide that you're going to be that lighthouse, that you're going to share your gifts with the world, it's going to trigger your nervous system and every fear that you've ever had about abandonment, failure, not being enough. And when left to your own devices, you're probably just going to go back and, and make the decision that's going to keep you feeling safe, even if it makes you feel stuck. So this is why support is everything. And that's really what we do at the core of my coaching programs. Uh, by the way, one-on-one -on -one coaching spots are available. And I'm going to be launching a new eight-week program called the Six Figure Second Act Blueprint. So for those of you who want to get really clear, on what you're here to do. You wanna dissolve those internal blocks that we discussed today that's gonna to keep you stuck. Uh, we're gonna be announcing it soon, but if you'd like to get on the waiting list, you can just DM me directly. We'll get the conversation started and get you in there so you can reserve your spot. I'm only gonna be working with a half dozen people in that uh, group environment. 
So it's a great opportunity for us to work together if we've never done it before. CreativeSoulCoaching.net is where you go to apply for one-on-one coaching. And if this podcast episode served you, please screenshot it, upload it to the gram, tag me at CSC Dan Mason. Let me know your biggest breakthroughs. And we will be back again next week. Uh, In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.